0: Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Let me back up. I missed part of scripture. To the choirmaster for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O oh God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions cast them out for they rebelled against you but let all who take refuge in you rejoice let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you for you bless the righteous O lord you cover him with favor as with a shield And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and then we'll get going. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. So open our eyes this morning that we can see awesome stuff from you and from Psalm 5. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys can grab a seat. So Psalm 4 actually ended with peaceful sleep. If you'll remember last week, and then we get into Psalm 5, and we start talking about the morning. So I just want to pose a question to you today, a couple questions, how are you sleeping? Based off of last week's Psalm, I just want to ask you, how are you sleeping? I mean, I know I look in the room and I see that, man, there are marriages, we have jobs, we're trying to parent, I mean, finances, like there's a lot of things that might keep us up at night. But Psalm 4 gave us direction in peaceful sleep. And then you, we saw in Psalm 5, as I just read, that, that the psalmist talks about the morning. So then I'll, I'll just ask you this question. How, how do you begin your day? Is it, is it intentionally? I think in this psalm we get some very practical things that I'll try to shine some light on. But I want you to just think about how how is it that I begin my day? Each day. So the, the first couple of verses, the psalmist says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God, for to you do I pray. So right out of the gate, I, I want to address. This That when we pray, and it, it might just sound simple, but, but I don't want to assume anything here. When we pray, we go directly to God. That is, that is who we pray to. The psalm says, Lord, to you do I pray. In other words, we don't pray to anyone else, church. We pray to God. We talk to God to God. So, listen, so So to be clear, like we don't, we don't talk to Mary. We don't talk to other saints that have gone on before us. We go directly to God, the creator of the universe. How in the world is this possible? Well, quite simply, it's because of the good news. It's because of the gospel that we are able to do this. And if you're visiting, if you're new here, each week we Share the gospel here. And that's what we're going to do next week and every week. And, 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 and you just need to know, like, we have nothing up our sleeve. We just give you the best news that you're ever going to hear in your life. And today, you get to go directly to the creator of the universe because the creator of the universe came directly to us first. And that's really, really good news. We go to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 says, For there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, the man. That's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible the man, Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. In other words, we go directly to the creator of the universe because he came to us first, and Jesus, in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus died for us, and he was buried, and he rose again. And now, because of that, we who were once disconnected from the Father, now have access back to the Father, and we get to talk directly to God because of what Jesus did. That's really, really good news. So here's the question, have you gone directly to God? First and foremost, have you gone directly to God to confess your sins? And to believe in your heart that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, which was God, the son of God. Have you gone directly to God to confess your sins to him so that you can pass from death to life, so that you can be made new? Some churches would say so that you could be saved. Have you gone directly to God for your salvation? Question mark, have you? And if you have, then secondly, do you go directly to God for everything else? For the problems of your life, for the pain, for help, for rejoicing. Do you go to God? Now here we are in the Midwest. Everybody goes to God. Right? We're, it's just, this is the Bible Belt. But i got to address a couple of things in love so, so I've been on social media, right? And, and people will post hey, I'm going through this. Will you pray for this? And I think that's awesome. I think that's actually one of the positives of social media. This is going on in my life. I'm calling for the people. God, will you pray? But inevitably, and again, I'm not being mean. I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm saying this lighthearted because I don't think this is the end of the world, but inevitably there's always one or two people that will comment sending prayers your way. And I think I know what they mean, but, but again, it's not the end of the world, but can I just give you some pastoral advice and just some pa- and pastoral love? Don't say that. Don't do that. We don't send prayers to people. We don't send prayers people's way. We talk to God. We send prayers to God on people's behalf. Does that make sense? That's what we do. Now, there's another thing that's actually a little heavier than that. Again, I don't think that's the end of the world, but what I'm getting ready to tell you is actually a pretty big deal. Again, we're in the Midwest, so everybody prays. But if you have not first prayed and called upon the name of the Lord for life, for your salvation, I love you. Your all other prayers are ineffective. Isaiah 59, 2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. John chapter 9 in New Testament verse 31, we know that God does not listen uh, to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Now listen, all of us have iniquities. All of us are sinners, but for those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord and, and, and we are his kids, listen to me, that is not our identity anymore. We are not known as sinners our iniquities aren't counted against us so God hears us but if you have not ever done that I I, I have to tell you it'd be malpractice if I did not tell you God is not hearing any other prayers all of us were separated from God let me be very clear about that this isn't any room uh, for us to to get proud I'll talk about that here in a minute there's just some of us realize that we need him And that we we must have his forgiveness. And that can only happen through believing in his son, Jesus. And you call out in prayer for that gift of salvation. And some of you have never done that. And you're here on purpose today. And this is what you need to know. That the Lord stands ready to forgive. He wants to hear and listen and answer all of your other prayers. But he's holy and he's righteous and he's perfect and he's a God of order. But here's our reality. To call upon the name of the Lord, like, listen, that actually takes humility. And re- really, any prayer takes humility. And there's too many people. We all know them, right? Too many people that, that maybe we work with, maybe they're in our family. It's like they, they don't think they're, they're too bad. So for them to just think, well, I, I'm actually horrible to my core and I've got, I've got to have Jesus or otherwise I'm hopeless. There are a lot of people out there that, that they haven't arrived to that reality. But the psalmist tells us, he says in verse 5, if you, if you, if you look at it, it says, the boastful will not stand before your eyes. See, first and foremost, we, it takes humility to call to God. And listen, like, I, I'm going to repeat this. It's, it's not just that we call on God for our salvation. How boastful to think that we don't need to go to God for everything else. We go to him for everything. You want to be the husband you're supposed to be? You want to be the mother you're supposed to be? You want to run a business the way it's supposed to be run? You, you must go to God for this and it takes humility. Humility. Then in verse 2, there was something I don't want us to miss. It says, give attention to the sound of my cry, my king, and my God. Now, here's our reality. Most of us, if not, I mean, pretty much all of us, we don't just, like, get to hang out with important people that often. And even if we get to hang out with them, it's not like we get to chat and have meaningful conversations. So I'm going to let you in a little bit of my gray matters, things that go on in my brain. And listen, if you're new to this church, when I'm done, you're probably going to be like, we, we might need to go to another church, okay? So Adam Wainwright is like a really important person to me. I love Cardinal baseball. I'm like, man, and then I, get the, I go down rabbit trails in my head, and I'm like, man, like I think Adam would like me. I think, I think we'd be buds. And then I keep going down the rabbit trail, like we're riding in a truck together, you know what I'm saying? Like our arms are up on the window, like we're just hanging out. And then I keep going further. Listen, I'm like, I asked him if he wants to do stuff like, Hey, you wanna to go to the gas station, and get like some beef jerky and Twizzlers? And Adam's like, Yeah, yeah, I do. That'd be fun. Like this is in my head, right? And I'm like, we're just like best friends. I'm like, and then now listen, just so you know that I'm just just not all the way delusional, I'm just halfway like I'll be in the middle of this and then I'll just stop and I'll be like, Man, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> I'm like, nah, no, he's too important. So, so, I mean, it's, that's just like what goes on in my world. Now, my son, my son went with a buddy, his, his, his buddy Easton. They went down to Tulsa recently to see the PGA Golf uh, Tournament. That was down there. So, so Breckett and Easton met Jordan Spieth, like the champion golfer, right? Got his autograph. Okay, now listen, I would never tell them this, but he doesn't even know who they are today. He has no clue he met those boys. He doesn't know their name. He doesn't even care about them. But, man, it was cool for them, Right? Now, why am I telling you this? Just First of all, because I would hope you would just laugh a little bit today. It's okay. It's good. But like David says, my king and my God, to you do I pray. My king and my God. That's a really, really important person. Actually, it's the most important person that's ever existed. And And David says, To you do I pray. In other words, to you, with you, uh, I I have an audience. David is talking to his king and to his God. And his king and his God hears him. And his king and his God listens to him. And his king and his God actually wants to hear from him. And that is true of us as well. If we are following Jesus, we go directly to our king and our God, the very most important person that's ever existed. And our king and our God wants to hear from us. And he hears and he listens Do not let that be lost on you, church. Jenny and I watched this show that was on, I don't know if it's Netflix or whatever, it's called The Crown, right? And it was the queen, and she would always get an audience with uh, Churchill. Like her husband could barely get it, the queen's husband could barely get an audience with her because she's so important, right? This sovereign is so important. But we go to God's word, and, and it's like, no, he's the sovereign of sovereign, and we get an audience with him. Any time we need it. Right now, he's here. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. For do you do I pray? Peterson says the quartet of verbs in the opening lines of Psalm 5 harmonize an expectation that God will listen. Do you believe, Hill City Church, that God hears you and that he will listen? Verse 3, O Lord. In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and I watch. David says this, in the morning, you hear my voice. One theologian said, it is because it is heard that we pray and not because we are so skilled in asking. Do you believe that the creator of the universe hears you? Do you believe that the creator of the universe listens There's a word, some of you know this word, some of you don't, I want to introduce it. It's called deism. Deism, let me read you the definition, a belief in the existence of a supreme being, specifically a creator who does not intervene in the universe. The term is used chiefly of an intellectual movement of the 17th and 18th century and, and that accepted... This, this movement accepted the existence of a creator on the basis of reason, but rejected belief in a supernatural deity who interacts with humankind. So we would all say, yeah, I believe in God. Of course there's a God. Then the question is, because I've had to ask myself, then why do some of us, sometimes me, listen, I'll be transparent, why do we pray like Deists. What do you mean, Brad? Why do we pray like we're bothering God who's like way up there? Oh, just me? Just me? Nobody has those thoughts every every now and then? Like, I don't want to go to God again. I mean, man, I just keep. Why is it that we pray like deists? God is here. He's in this room. God was in your car on your way. To church this morning, he was at your house when you woke up. Actually, he's everywhere. The psalmist tells us this in, in Psalm 139. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I, free, I flee from your presence? This, he poses a question like, where, where is it that can I go? That, and, and you're not going to be there. If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall... Hold me. And Royce talked to us last week how prayer, uh, how prayer was powerful and it was purposeful and it was productive. We must pray like we believe that. We must pray like God is here and he's near and he wants us to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. But then I got another phrase that I got to bring up. And some are like, oh, no, I did not want you to talk about this. Twice. Oh, Lord, in the morning, and all the night hours are like, dang it. In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. So let me just give you some more good news. Last night, while we were all sleeping, God was not. God is always being God. He was actually sustaining you and I while we were sleeping. That's pretty incredible. At our most vulnerable state, God was sustaining us in our sleep. But this takes me to this phrase in the morning. And what this really gets at is this first things first. So I'll ask again how do you begin your day? Secular studies show that it takes 60 days to form a habit. And secular studies also uh, have, have, have been shown that there are many benefits to actually uh, rising early in the morning. I'll give you a few of them. Increases skin health. Don't ask me how. I'm just telling you what the scientists tell me. Rising early in the morning actually gives us more energy. Rising early gives us better sleep quality at night. Rising early gives better focus. People who rise early are actually less likely to experience depression. Now, there are many other benefits. Those are just some from secular studies. But here in the Bible, it talks about rising early in the morning. Now, listen, this is more about of a mindset. Am I going to make a rule and be like, hey, everybody needs to be up at 530 a.m.? Of course not. This is about a mindset. Do you begin your day first things first? Now, I believe, because the Bible says this, that every word of God is pure. So when we see phrases like in the morning, and there are other places in the Bible where it says he rose early in the morning. I think we have to pay attention to that. So let me give you just a few people who the Bible says this person rose early in the morning. David, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, Joshua, and our king, Jesus Christ. The Bible says this of them. In other words, for these servants of the Most High God, they always made first things first. That was the pattern of their life. Now listen, again, why we're not going to make any rules. Listen, we have police officers, we have nurses, we have people that work nights, like rising early in the morning. It's not even possible because of, so, so again, I'm not like out here presenting some rule. But I do think many of us need to consider this. And a lot of the problem with being able to rise early in the morning, it actually starts with the night before, and we're not doing things properly the night before. So it doesn't allow us to rise early in the morning and go first things first. Right? Alarm goes off. We hit it. Oh, now I'm rushed. I'm going to get ready. I'm got to hurry up. I'm going to be late. But our mornings are just frantic, right? Oh, that's just the Lotz house. It starts with the night before. Listen, this is a discipline. Here's that word again. We hate that word. But listen, there are things called spiritual disciplines. Prayer is one of those things. Spiritual discipline. This would take discipline. I saw a post uh, earlier, a young guy in our church posted this on his Instagram. I thought, man, I like that. I'm going to use that Sunday. It says, excuses make today easy and tomorrow hard. Discipline makes today hard and tomorrow easy. So yes, for you to create a habit, to start your day first thing first. It's going to be hard early. But once you create... The habit, eventually, it'll happen. Now listen, Brad, are you saying you get up every morning? No, I, listen, I'm not telling you I do this. I fail at this. I try. usually wake up anywhere between 5.45 and probably 6.15, whether I want to or not. Okay, so there you have it. But do I wake up every day and I'm, n- no. But let me just give you some really good news. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Okay, that means this. Did I get up this morning and go first things first? No, nope, but guess what? Tomorrow morning's a new day, and His mercies are new every morning, and I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. And what happens if I fail? Man, thank God His mercies are new every morning. So I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but it's not just that we prioritize first things first. It says, In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you. So this will take sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? Well, maybe just getting up ten, giving up 10 minutes of sleep and getting up a little bit earlier. Maybe it's that the night before is the sacrifice, and you turn the television or the screen off to then prepare your mind for sleep so then you wake up properly, focused on what you should be focused on. But the reality is if we realize, oh, man, God sustained me all Night and I wake up in the morning and I realize, man, you were so good, God, that you sustained me. Then the appropriate response is, is to wake up and say, Here is my life today. God and Father, cause it to be pleasing and acceptable to you, like a sacrifice. You understand, right? You see that same language. Here is my life. I want today to be pleasing and acceptable to you. And the thing about it is we go straight to God the Father with anything. So we can wake up in the morning and say, I am scared today, God, for what I might find out when I go to the doctor. I'm indifferent today. Oh, Lord, I don't really want to do anything. Lord, I'm excited today. There's a big day in front of me. Lord, I'm hopeful for today. It doesn't matter what it is. We can wake up in the morning, first things first, take it to God and say, now here it is. And he hears you and he listens to you. So let's just get really practical. What if we would just commit, Hill City Church, what if we would just commit over the next 60 days to create new habits? So I have, I have prayer cards. I have six of them. So here's, what, here's, here's the heading on, on all six. Card number one, Jenny. And then I've got a list of things that I pray for Jenny, Brody, Brecken, Clementine, Oakley, Hill City Church. Those are my six cards. And I look at him and I pray. Some of it's repetitive. Keep them from evil, God, today. Keep them from the evil one. Like I'm praying that a lot. But three out of four of my kids, I'm saying, Lord, save them, please. They are not, I want you to save them. But I look at those cards and it, it, it's, it's, it's that simple. It's about a 10 minute thing. What would happen? Can you just imagine with me what would happen if we committed to do this over the next 60 days and then it became a habit and next thing you know we've done it for a year and next thing you know we've done it for two years. Can you imagine with me what would happen? I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Your home would change drastically. Hill City Church would change for the better drastically. Springfield, Missouri would change drastically. I'm telling you, if just this group of people would commit to do this, we would we would move the needle in this city. S- husbands and wives praying for one another. Parents and children praying for one another. City groups praying for city groups. Friends praying for friends. And we're starting every day doing this, we would move the needle. What if? But we don't just stop with talking to God and knowing he hears us. The psalmist says, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. And watch. Why do we do that? Because we're not deists. We believe God is active in our lives. We believe God hears us. We, be, we believe God listens to us, and we believe that God moves. So we watch with expectancy after we go to God, our Father, the creator of the universe. It's called a holy expectation. Now, does God answer our prayers whenever we want him to? No, he doesn't. We've all learned that hard lesson. He answers in His timing. Some of you have labored in prayer for months, some of you years, some of you decades. You've labored in prayer and it feels like God doesn't hear you. Keep going to God the Father. He hears you. Keep going to Him. Keep watching with expectancy. So, this is how we start our day, this is how we live our lives. But if we're going to offer our lives, hey, here it is, here it is today, a sacrifice. This is for you, O Lord. Do something with it that is acceptable and that is pleasing to you. Well, the psalmist sort of gives us uh, some cues on maybe some things that aren't acceptable and pleasing to God and then some things that are in the next few verses. And you'll see verse 4 through 6 and 9 through 10, they're kind of paired together. And I won't read them for time's sake, but here we go. Like, some things that are not pleasing and acceptable to God. It says, God, God does not delight in wickedness okay maybe we should not delight in wickedness so we move throughout our day going you know I'm not going to delight in the things that God does not delight in the boastful I already read that verse to you we we, we would not live our lives boastful but we would be people of humility what about all the, the the people that speak lies the bloodthirsty the deceitful and you get to verse 9. That's just verse 4 through 6. And verse 9, no truth is in their mouth. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. I just described to you every news channel that's on television. Verse 10 says, there's an abundance of transgressions. They rebel against you. So you can just go to Psalm 5 and be like, all that right there, I want to stay as far away from that as possible. So then you can contrast that with things that you see in verse 7 and 8, things that you see in verse 11 and 12. Let me read those as we conclude. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. That's the presence of God. We we, we can be in the presence of God. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Verse 11, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. Those that love your name may exalt you, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So we're talking about the righteous here. That that the righteous can actually walk in light of God's steadfast love. The righteous... Fear the Lord. The righteous get to experience God's love. We can be in his presence. The righteous can rejoice. We're people of joy. We have blessing. We have protection. Does that sound good to anyone? Come on. That's for the righteous. But Romans chapter 3 says... There's none righteous, no, not even one. But I want I want that what I just read in Psalm. Well, praise God that Paul didn't stop after Romans chapter three, because Romans chapter four says, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to the the first prayer that that we should ever pray that we know God hears and that he answers, that we call upon the name of the Lord for salvation and then he gives us his righteousness. This is really, really good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Of God in Him. So when we go to the Psalms and we see these things that happen to the righteous, we're not boastful. It's not our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. But we go to Psalms and we see the blessings for the righteous, and we know that when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. But if you've not called on His name, that's not what He sees. We go to him, the creator of the universe. If you're serving communion, why don't you come forward? I want to have the rest of you stand up with me. So let's just talk for a minute. Stay with me. I know you're standing up. I know you're ready. Listen, we just need to talk a little bit more about prayer before we come to the table. See, this this meal we're about ready to partake in, it's a meal for those who have confessed Jesus as king. Those who have called upon the name of the Lord for their salvation. If you have not done that, it's today. like, Like, it's today. We want you to come to the table. We want you to pray and confess we want you to pass from death to life in this place this morning that we want you to come to the table but, but for, the, for those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord for those of us who are Christians for those of us who are saved for those of us who have passed from death to life whatever phrase that you would want to use maybe before you come to the table today that there's some confession on your part maybe it's that you say, God, forgive me, I I have been praying like a deist for years, like you're some distant God that I'm bothering. You need to confess that this morning. He's here and he's near. Some of you maybe haven't been praying at all it's not that you've been praying like deus. it's like I haven't talked to the creator of the universe in weeks and months and years I don't want you to feel shame this morning about that, God is here he wants to talk to you, he's not waiting in the corner, where have you been buddy how dare you it's more like where have you been I've been waiting for you been here the whole time if you're new we'll come down these aisles we have stations under the light for the front half we have two stations in the back for the back uh, back half and we have a station in the balcony we go to the father because the son came His body was broken. That's what you're going to see. The bread's torn. It's a representation of the body of our king that was torn. It's going to be dipped into a cup. It's that representation of the blood that was spilled on our behalf. That's what makes it possible for us to go to him. Let's do it together this morning.